I'm Uncle Joe, and this is the Win With Uncle Joe podcast. I have a, a lot of life and business experience over the last 20 years, becoming self-employed since 2002. I've met a lot of great people, learned a lot of great strategies in the real estate world, marketing world, just a lot of different things, and I created this podcast because I want to share them and introduce you to some of my friends and mentors that I've learned a great deal from, like my man Don here. How you doing, guys? I'm gonna, uh, I, I wanna share the contacts I know so we can all work together, so we can all win, but I wanna bring some people on this on this podcast to uh, you know, get an introduction, get to know a little bit about the people that I've, I've gotten to know over the years. I mean, we've known each other for how many years now? Uh, since 2018, I think. Or even before, probably before. No, you're least, right. Before, exactly. It was a great recession. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we both had uh, short sale businesses, which Don has. He went straight into back when I started real estate investing. You know, I got into short sales later on. But real quick, uh, Don, tell, tell, tell my friends a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Joe. My name is Don Thornton. I'm known as Don the Short Sale Guy. I'm also known as Don the Infinite Wealth Strategist. And my expertise, obviously short sales have been my bread and butter for 20 years. But the last couple of years, I've been focusing a lot on this amazing trust that helps anybody who's not a W-2 employee to legally, legally reduce their taxes by as much as 97%. And that's, you know, I've been talking to Joe about this and he says, you know, jump on my podcast and be my first guest. And I'm honored, by the way, to be your first guest. And uh, so we can talk about uh, what's going on there and how you can help your uh, your listeners. Absolutely. This, you know, I've gotten to know, and I have contacts in my phone. I couldn't even tell you how many at least seven-figure earners are in there. Mm -hmm. And this is my way of sharing everything that we do. So, But even before we get into that, uh -huh. your main background, you did short sales, I started, How many short sales? Oh, I don't know. I've probably done at least 3,500 in 20 years. I actually lost count. And Okay. Yeah, that's not hard to do. I have several hundred in, under my belt, but I can see how you can lose right. count for sure. But what, uh, what, just for real quick, one liner, what is a short sale in a real estate? Yeah, market? short sale is when a homeowner, let's say the property uh, is worth 200000 but the full payoff of the mortgage is say 230,000. That means that the house is underwater or upside down by 30,000. And unless the homeowner wants to come to cl the closing table with $30,000 to pay for the, for the uh, difference that they're not covered by the sale of the house, then they can't sell the house unless the bank allows them to sell the house at, a, at the as is price in this case, $200,000, that's called a short sale negotiation with the bank. So the short sale, would, I mean, the short sale bank would allow a buyer like myself to buy it for $200,000. They would write off the $30,000 overage. They would pay all the expenses of the homeowner and, uh, you know, greatly limit the damage to their credit. So in, a, so in a nutshell, yeah, it definitely helps with that. I've actually had people that I've done short sales for before that, you know, bought a new house within a year or two. Yeah, yeah. you can you can qualify for a, a conforming loan in two years after the um, uh, closing of your short sale. If it goes to foreclosure auction or if you do a deed in lieu of foreclosure or you file bankruptcy, seven years. Absolutely. Minimum. And the term short sale just comes in a nutshell. The mortgage lender is allowing you to sell the property short of what is owed, period. Yes, that's right. And there has to be some type of hardship, which with the current economy, we expect short sales to come back around again, probably next spring or something. So stay tuned if you know anybody that uh, 
finds himself in a situation that needs help like that, we can help you up there too. But let's let's dive into this trust thing. Okay. And uh, we've been I've been real estate investing since two thousand two. Mm -hmm. You've been doing it, and and all the friends with the circles, national contacts I know. Um, basically, when you told me about this, I like my jaw drops. It, yeah. It, it's pretty unbelievable because we've had a lot of professionals, these million dollar people in my phone that frankly, we, we've been taught wrong. Yes, 100%. Wrong, and wrong, wrong. I'm, I'm right there with you because I mean, I, I, I like to think I was a very smart, successful real estate investor and I didn't know anything about this. Right, and, like uh, 1031, for example. Yeah. You know, exchanging a property for a like property within a certain time frame, all that, throw it out the window, put it in the garbage can. Right. Oh, it's it's going to be the dodo bird of real estate investing strategies. I think within a year, because as people get get to know more about this trust, they're going to realize that why are they going to go through all these hoops, all this stress? And really, I've heard that only about fifty percent of ten thirty one exchanges work anyway. If you use this trust, you can in the property you want to sell is an asset of the trust. Then any capital gains taxes are deferred forever with the trust so you That's can what use I was gonna say if you don't make that timeline yeah you're getting hit with capital gains right exactly so you can avoid that no matter what whether right. it's a it's just less stress it's just less stress you know you know from the get-go that when you sell your investment property or you can sell your business sell anything that's going to uh, trigger a capital gains tax event you know that you don't have to worry about it because it's just a regular sale and all your capital gains taxes are going to be deferred permanently if the trust owns the asset. Okay, so let's 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 dig this out a little deeper with the actual trust in the process. Okay. So, um, I'm an investor, or I'm a a real estate investor with holdings, or I'm a crypto guy, right? Girl, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm I'm a business owner, and frankly, anybody without a W two can use these trusts, correct? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's two there's two things that the trust helps you with. It's it's, it's any kind of passive income or it's any kind of active income. And so we kind of, I break those into two separate uh, categories. So if we're talking about capital gains tax savings, then you are talking about a passive investment. Right. You have an income property, you have a, a crypto, if you have stocks and bonds, precious metals, anything that's passive, then when you sell that asset on the open market, normally you get hit with capital gains, it's 24%, I believe, now. There, there's talk in Congress about raising that to 39% or maybe just getting rid of it completely. So, but with this strategy, as long as the trust owns it, then uh, if you were gonna pay $200,000 in capital gains, that money comes to you, it stays inside the trust, and those taxes are deferred forever. You will never pay taxes on those with this trust. So, so like we've learned before, like the saying, you don't want to own anything, you just want control of it. Yes. This is the ultimate in having nothing in your personal name but controlling everything. Yes, for example, uh, if I'm a real estate investor, let's say that I have five investment properties. So when the trust is created and I'm named the trustee, then, we're, then, then I'm gonna sell my investment properties to the trust, but I'm not gonna sell them for a profit I'm gonna go back and say, okay, I, I bought these properties, let's say in 2010, I paid X amount of money for them, and then I've taken depreciation on my tax returns. So whatever that is left over, that's the sales price of me selling them to the trust. Now, I'm not, the trust is not gonna give me cash. 
they're gonna give me a note, kind of like a promissory note. We also called a demand note. So we, we uh, take the total amount of the assets that are being sold into the trust at the lower price, so we're not gonna trigger a capital gains event. Let's say it's a million dollars, okay? Okay. That means the trust is gonna give me a promissory note for a million dollars, and I can draw upon that whenever I want. And let's say, for example, that, I don't know, couple years from now, I say, you know, I want to take out $20,000. So the trust cuts me a check for 20000 I can do whatever I want with that. And all, the, all that happens is that the, the demand note is lowered from a million dollars down to nine hundred eighty thousand. dollars Are you taxed on pulling that out? No, nope, that, that is a non-taxable event. Wow. That's, yeah. that's super powerful. Yeah, it is. Super, super 100%. powerful. So now the trust owns these assets. And like I said, any rental income coming in, any lease income coming in, that those taxes are deferred forever, and then when you try to sell, when you when you sell those assets, then the capital gains are but deferred it's all forever. Being funneled into the trust. It's all inside it the trust. Yes, and so now as trustee, I no longer mm -hmm. own those properties. I sold them irrevocably to the trust, but I have a hundred percent power and control of those assets, even though I have no no longer have any personal liability or business liability, and that's awesome because now. I control it. I can enjoy the what the benefits I get from those properties, but I don't own them. Nobody can try to take them away from me. That's <clears throat> spectacular. It's still amazing. I'm still amazed by it. But uh, it's there's a lot of trusts out there, a lot of different types of trusts. Mm -hmm. There's uh, this is a special trust. The initial part of it that I learned about that we first spoke about months and months ago was a spendthrift trust, right. which is a provision that needs to be in there. Yes. But now we've uh, enhanced our education on the whole topic mm -hmm. so there's a, a few provisions that need to be in there that right. aren't in all these other trusts that people are selling in fact there's there's copycats out there who are trying to do the trust yeah that we do yeah i mean the, the name of the trust is called the official name is called non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendthrift trust so people refer to it commonly as a spendthrift trust but there are other trusts out there that have a spendthrift provision, but they don't have the rest of the pillars of the trust that get the tax savings. And that's really what we want here. We have two main goals. Number one, we don't want the government or any or any attorney or bogus lawsuit, or even if it's a deserved lawsuit, we still don't want to have our assets seized in a court turnover. So the spendthrift trust, uh, the spendthrift provision provides that protection. However, we also want to legally avoid as many taxes as we can. And that's where these other pillars that come in. So non-grantor, for example, that means that if I'm gonna be the trustee of the trust, I cannot create that trust. And there's a reason behind that because if I, if I create the trust myself, name myself trustee, the IRS is gonna consider that to be an alter ego of myself, and it will give me no tax advantages whatsoever. So I have to have a third party officially create the trust, name me as the trustee, and that person resigns. So that's a non-grantor so trust. So I would set it up for you and then yes. sign it over to you. I'm out of the picture forever. You resign after that, yes. Okay. And then it has to be irrevocable, which means I can't use the trust as a holding pen to, to move assets back and forth in. That's why whenever I hear someone say, well, so you transfer the trust the property to the trust, I say, no, 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 you sell it irrevocably. So just as the trust is an independent entity, has its own EIN number, has its own bank account, it files its own tax returns. In the same way, you know, oh, when you sell, tax yes, Go when ahead. you sell your 
asset to the trust, it's irrevocable. It becomes the trust property. You can't say, oh, I changed my mind, then you have it back. No, <laughs> the trust can sell it to you back and you have to pay money for that. But other than that, I mean, it's, a, it's trust property. And then the la other one that's most important is, is a discretionary trust, a discretionary pillar in the trust, which means that you have 100% uh, power to manage the assets of the trust on behalf of the beneficiaries. If you don't have all five of those pillars, then you cannot get the tax savings. You may get the asset protection, but the incredible tax savings, they're not gonna happen without those other four pillars. Yeah, and we started talking about taxes. The asset protection is huge. Like the way we were taught different strategies, like if you're you know, purchasing properties, people would teach you to get a separate LLC for one or depending on the value of the property, maybe up to three, just don't go over a certain amount because let's, let's face it, if you're in business, like somebody used to tell me when I when I got my first boat. So you're not a boater until you forget to put the plug in. Yeah, you're, you're not really a business owner until some you're in a lawsuit. It's not a matter of if you're gonna be sued, it's a matter of when. So the asset protection side is just phenomenal. We used to be taught, you know, put three in an LLC because the first thing when somebody goes to a lawyer about filing a lawsuit, regardless of if there was an accident or whatever, first thing the lawyer does is, okay let me do some research he goes to the public records and looks to see what you own if you right. don't own anything there's nothing for him to go after there's no way for him to get paid so why the hell would he want the case you know really right is there well we're not gonna get into lawyers but well I can they're give not you, all bad <laughs> I can give you a quick example I had a transaction that uh, it was uh, it was done in error it wasn't done in bad faith but there was an error and the it was a divorce situation and one of the one of the parties said it was a foreign national and he had moved to a different you know back home or whatever and so uh the transaction was flawed i made that 100 percent. and so he was gonna sue he um you know actually got a lawyer and a lawyer was threatening lawsuits and so on and so forth and all i said was mr so-and-so i understand this and i feel very bad for what's happened here and i just need to inform you that this my you know I, I'm a trustee of this trust and everything has to do with this transactions and this trust and it has a spendthrift provision I own nothing go ahead and look check me out I have no assets I have no income and this is spendthrift trust with a provision that's going to make make it very much near impossible for you to sue and definitely you're not gonna get any overturn orders or seizure orders on this so you know, you can do what you want to do, but I'm just, my job is let you know, disclose this to you. And I never heard from them again. Right. And I was and really much in the wrong, but there was nothing, there was no, you can't squeeze, there was nothing can't to squeeze get. blood from a turnip. Right. And so right. there was not worth it for them. And on and the, and the, and the, and the injured party, the, 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 I'm sure the law firm said, we'll sue this guy, but you're going to have to pay it. You're going to have to pay our services because we have no confidence that we're going to be able to win anything or collect, most importantly. Right. Well, that's what they care about collecting. Right. Most of them, you know, they only get paid if they collect. You see the signs all over the place right. here on the radio. Exactly. <clears throat> Shoot. So what happens is that, uh, let's say, for example, that uh, I'm a business owner. Say I, say I own a trunking company. Say I have three trucks. All right. I, I'm, not, I'm a small businessman. I don't have, you know, a huge amount of, I'm not like a conglomerate or whatever. But nevertheless, I do okay. So I have three trucks. I have drivers. Let's say one of my drivers, you know, gets in a wreck and kills someone. His fault. Okay. Falls asleep or something. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if I didn't have my trucks and, and run, I didn't run my business through, through this trust, 
or in conjunction with the trust. I tell you right now, that's fair pickings. They, they would take millions. They could get millions for this. But with every, if I have, if I had previously sold all of my trucking business assets into the trust and where I'm now the trustee, all that the, the, the relatives of this injured person, I mean, this, this deceased person, and it's a tragedy, of course, all they can go after is the insurance policy, nothing else. I know that they can't get after me, my primary residence, my vehicles. They can't go after my income. They can't come after the, my, the, 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 the other, my other trucks, nothing. So that's the power of the, of the, of the spinster provision in this trust. And it doesn't even really have to be business related. It could be your child that gets into an accident somewhere. Same you thing. Know, you're yes. still, you still have personal liability because you have assets that they're going to go after. But right. if you sell those to the trust, then they're right. no longer your assets. Right. And so now they and, can't, they can't grab And this has been tested for years all the way to the Supreme Court. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and listen, OJ Simpson, Oh, we went there. We went to OJ. <laughs> I, I went OJ there, right? I was going to go like so, with some other people who you guys might know, like Grant Cardone and Jerry well, Jones. Well, you know, let's talk about my... this from an asset protection point of view. But okay? let's show how it worked. How yeah. actually tight Okay, it so so OJ before he allegedly murdered Nicole and and uh, Mr. the waiter, uh, Mr. Ron, Goldman, yeah. Ron Goldman. You know, uh, he had had a similar type of trust with a spinster provision. And so even though he got off uh, on the on the uh, criminal charge, they won a 30 something uh, million, dollar, million dollar, yeah, dollar lawsuit against him, a judgment, but they have never collected a dime. And the reason why is because previously to, to the uh, alleged murder, he uh, had put everything, he had sold everything into his trust with the spinster provision and they can't touch it. And that leads back to, and like we said before, there's a bunch of trusts out there. That leads back to this specific trust being, touch on real quick, the difference between this one because it's not legislative. Well, yeah, this is a, that, yeah, this is a contract law trust, which means that, you know, uh, let's say if you, look, if, you, if you look at an LLC that was created, its roots were created by some kind of act of a legislature, uh, S corporation, C corporation, land trust, now, they're all what we call creatures of the legislature. At its very core, a trust is a contract. And I mean, if you go back to the founding fathers, the constitution, section one, I mean, article one, section 10 says that no state shall pass any law to impair the obligations of contract. And so then we can do a contract on anything. Yes, and exactly. And, and, and secondly, I mean, the very first Supreme Court ruling was, I think, in 1811. It's called uh, Pecker versus Fle uh, Fletch versus Pecker. And, uh, Fletch, I'm sorry, Fletch versus Peck. And what it, it was very simple. These are two land speculators. There was a law in Georgia that they could go into Indian Territory, survey, and claim land. The legislature, the, the legislature a year later decided we don't like this, this law, we're going to change it, and therefore any contracts that were entered into during this interim are now null and void. Well, they took it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled, no, even a bad contract is still you know, a contract, contract yeah. and that, that no state can, now that's in the, in the Constitution. And then, you know, as far as, uh, you know, more recent Supreme Court rulings, uh, there was, uh, in 1911, there was a Supreme Court case that was that was ruled upon. It had to do with the tariff. Now, we don't care about what the tariff was about or whatever. All we care about is the ruling. That in the language of the Supreme Court ruling, I think it was, um, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but uh, anyway, uh, the ruling said that this only applied to joint stock corporations or other such organizations. It specifically said that trusts are in the realm of equity and are not in the jurisdiction of that 
uh, law, that federal law. So that basically put a dividing line between anything that is a legislative law or creation of a legislature and something that's not. And the, and the Supreme Court ruled that this trust is not a creature of the legislature. Therefore, it cannot legislate it or tax it or interfere with it. And so that's that's a huge part of this. And uh, that's, you know, the, the courts, unless there's fraud or someone did a fraudulent conveyance, which means, let's say if OJ had allegedly killed uh, Nicole and uh, Ron, and the next day he put his stuff in the trust, that would be fraudulent conveyance. That wouldn't, they would throw that out and they could get to his assets. But because he did it before, <clears throat> They're, they're they're all so of mine used to say proper planning prevents piss poor production. Right, like exactly. Six P's. Yeah. So, I mean, you, whether it's the tax savings by the end of the year, whichever year you're saying this or hearing this podcast, you know, yes, this is this will go on forever. It's been around for over a hundred years, yes. proven all the way to the Supreme Court. Plenty of people have it. Yes. Um, I had another question or two, but I can't seem to think of them at the <laughs> moment, and I don't want this to go for too damn long. But well, let me just sum up on the tax side because we didn't we talked a lot too much. We talked a lot about the spendthrift and then the asset protection side of it. Right. Let me just tell you this, and we can there's we have more opportunities to have podcast episodes about this, and we can go we can go we'll really a deeper dive. Yeah. But let's just tell me. I'll tell you this, okay? We've already talked about the passive income that comes in the trust, and that any type of income that comes in, rents stock dividends interest whatever that's all deferred permanently by the trust the trust owns it but for people out there that have active ordinary income commissions if real estate flippers if you're wholesaling houses doctors yeah. business owners if you have a 1099 uh, position and you're just getting paid and there's no salary that's all at ordinary income which is taxed at 32 percent if it's above one hundred sixty-five thousand dollars. so this trust has a strategy that will allow you to convert that active ordinary income into passive income for the trust where 97% of that income, up to 97% of that income can be deferred, the taxes on which can be deferred in perpetuity forever. And we can get into that later in a different episode, but that's just the power of it. Unbeatable asset protection and amazing, amazing tax reduction that there, no other strategies give you this kind of tax tax reduction legally. Right, right. And like Don mentioned, we have time. We'll do plenty of other podcasts. We have multiple business ventures. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch real quick. Yes, I am into crypto. I can take my miners that I own and I can sell them to the trust. And all of that, the earnings there now become you know, in the same category with what you're being taxed on. So yes. you don't have to move to Puerto Rico for six months in a day, any of that crap. So um, I want to wrap up and say, you know, go to win with Uncle Joe. You want to get this strategy. That's my email, winwithunclejoe at gmail. Keep it nice and simple. Feel free to reach out. We'll get into more, into mm -hmm. more of this, more depth. We'll make the connection. It's probably, you know, there, there is a certain income you need to be making to make this well worth it. Um, but we can discuss all that and we'll send me an email and just say, hey, explain to me and real quick, just as an example on the on the tax savings. Say say you are at a million dollars worth of income. Long story short, we can have that reduced to where you're only being taxed on 30,000 of that. So hit me up in the email, reach out to the cell phone. We'll get, we'll get you all connected, get you set up, get you more information and we will go from there. Thanks, Joe. The people on the video, show me your shirt. Yes, you, can't, you gotta see. The I shirt. don't pay capital gains, <laughs> and as a as a uh, parting gift, 
Uh-oh. He's going to show his ass here. Screw Wait. the IRS. Oh, you can't see. You got to go lower. <laughs> go lower. Lean up. Uh, yeah, forget it. All right. We're, anyway. we're too old. We can't bend like that anymore. Screw the IRS, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. But peace. We'll see you guys on the next episode.